airing the Addisons. Well, let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And um, our brother J-Mac and Richard are both on tap to help us navigate today's show. Mm -hmm. We are going to try to um, get around to some phone calls at the end of the show, like in the third segment. So hopefully you can stick around for that and um, and talk with us a little bit about today's topic. Um, You know, okay, so let's just, oh, wait, one announcement. The Marriage Family Date Night. Yes, Marriage Family Life Date Night coming up. In Florence, Alabama, and yes. that'll be happening on uh, April 27th. You can go to marriagefamilylife.net under the events tab. You can mm-hmm. you'll see the date night. You can get all of the details there. Uh, but it's just going to be a great time for strengthening marriages. You know, uh, just that couples will come together, married couples, mm-hmm. and we can just have a, a night where we discuss the beauty of God's institution of marriage. And so. Uh, we uh, really would like for you to come out for more details about that. Go to marriagefamilylife.net and under the events tab, uh, look for the Marriage Family Life uh, date night and you can have all the information there. So if you're in the Florence, Alabama area uh, around there and want to join us, mm-hmm. uh, that'll be April 27th and the time is uh, to start at 6.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. And so uh, go to marriagefamilylife.net for more details. And um, it's a free event, yes. but you have to register. You have to register, yep. So just register and let us know that you're coming because we have a certain amount of people that we can host. That's right. And um, and we need to know that you're coming so that we're best prepared. So if you just go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. That's right. Okay, then you can register <laughs> there. All right. So I was thinking, mm-hmm. of course, right? Um, I We've kind of talked before on this program about – Things like the corporate equality index. Well, yes. we've talked specifically about the corporate equality index. And right. one of the things that I say about this, and if in case people are not familiar, um, this is uh, the human rights campaigns um, uh, uh, get in line index. Okay. It's <laughs> right. its method of controlling companies and companies are striving to rate high on this index as far as their approval affirmation and celebration of um lesbian gay bisexual transgender all that. queer plus plus mm-hmm. distinctions mm-hmm. um one of the things that i've noticed about this and i, and I really want to kind of talk this out today so i'll bring in you know some of my thoughts and, and the one article that kind of um got me thinking about this but one of the things that we've said about this in the past is that this um mechanism or this index is a controlling index so it establishes itself, okay, as something that companies should aspire to, right? Mm. We have determined what are good goals that you should aim for. for. Then we give you marks for those things. We, we give you a number, mm-hmm. right? So we assign a score 
based on how well you meet our standards. Mm -hmm. And then you create enough of a sort of like a, I don't know, it's like an intimidation factor that you create around it, that if a person um, or even like a shaming factor, if a person does not meet or does not score high on this index, then they are to be avoided. They are they are not worthy to be a part of the larger culture, right? So right. this is where the corporate equality index kind of gets its weight and its steam. And and one company catches on, and then another company catches on. And remember, while they're doing all of these things, while they create the index, um, and then rate companies, okay. Also note that they are also training companies. So they go into these companies and they're training them and only they have the secret. It's a game mm-hmm. only they understand. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Right. And, and, and they train people so that they can rate high on the index, but at the same time they control the index. Right. So they give you the number. Mm-hmm. So, so this becomes a, a means by which our culture is changed and controlled because people are so used to being rated and um, scored and labeled. And, and so what happens is we're just like, we, if, if it's supposed to be good mm-hmm. or if it's culturally acceptable, then we want to rank high on those things, right? So that's the hook. That's how they get us. So here is what I'm thinking about today. And of course, I want to talk about how this pertains to children and education. So I'm thinking about these controlling accolades, these controlling accolades, how indices and labels and designations and ratings control culture and ultimately produce change. Mm. These things are they, they ultimately change the culture. They restructure the culture. They change the way people think in culture. But the problem is the problem is. Before we recognize what is actually happening through these indices, through these labels and these designations, my so-and-so company, my this company B, company A is labeled as this. Oh, we are designated this, right? Mm. Before we recognize that this is meant to control us, we are first found desiring it. Yeah. We want to have the sticker in the window, right? Because for some reason... We just kind of are like a country of badges. You know what I mean? Like we, we are a country that is just kind of like, you know, shine whatever star I get because of this affiliation, mm-hmm. you know, shine it up. And I want the best star within this affiliation. We are almost sort of trained to behave this way. So I was thinking about the implication of all of this on how our kids are being educated today. And one of the things that we see happening now, we've been talking about this, but remember, uh, we are not dealing with something that um, comes about out of thin air or that exists in a vacuum. How is it that our kids are being trained um, right out from underneath us, if you will? Mm -hmm. They are being trained to be activists. So that means the kid is being taught to rise up against the parent, to rebel against the parent to challenge the parent or one of the favorite words or the favored words of the activist today or terms uh, or phrases. It's a phrase, call it out, call it out. Right. And so kids today are being trained to within their own homes, call out, call, call out those biases or biases. But you know, when you see inherent racial bias, call it out. That's what they're told to do. 
To be rebellious. To be rebellious. That's what they're being told to That's do. the bottom line. Stand against their parents. And so I was reading this article. I was reading this article. And there is a curriculum that or a program that offers curriculum. And it's called No Place for Hate. It's a program mm-hmm. called No Place for Hate. It's in, according to this article, now more than 1,600, which is not a whole lot of schools, but it's in 1,600 K-12 schools. Mm-hmm. And as I was looking at this, I thought, well, it's not in a lot of schools now, right. or it's not in a lot of schools yet. Yeah, yet. These things grow. Right? Right. But, but remember, we are so accustomed to our schools having certain designations, right? Mm-hmm. And our schools having certain distinctions, that kind of weight those schools, make those schools like the desired schools. Oh, it's this type of school. It's a, you know, it's college prep. It's whatever it is, all of these things. But what we don't recognize is that the organizations that create that kind of, um, so what I want to use kind of that allure, Mm -hmm. you know, they have an agenda. They have a goal. (laughs) Oh yeah. And usually it's directly connected to what they think your kids should be taught. Oh yeah. So if you want our score or if you want our label, then you have to teach what, what we tell you to teach. And let me just say this. Sometimes we make the mistake of saying, okay, it's only in 1,600 schools. Uh-huh. Like we, we do this often. Yeah. Uh, it's not that big of a deal. But then we turn around and we see that more than half of the schools in the country begin <laughs> to do this, you know, <laughs> and they're right. teaching this stuff. It's and so true. It, we, we, we do terrible job at taking yeah. things like this seriously, seriously on the front end. And making noise about it. That's it's right. It's only on the back end when it's already implemented. And it's too late. Yeah, that we want to come out with guns blazing. That's exactly right. Same thing we do when we say, oh, it's in California. Exactly. Oh, you say, oh, that's in that's New not York. That's my, my home. That's not going to come to my, my hometown. Town. Yeah. You understand? So, okay, man, that's an excellent point. That is an excellent, excellent point. So here we are, um, which by comparison, when you talk about the kinds of things that are in many of our schools, um, this would be like kind of the front end of this. But- but this is an iteration of so yeah. much other stuff that's, that's already, already in there. schools, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just this particular um, organization, the Anti-Defamation League, okay? Which, this is man, their yeah. <laughs> iteration yeah. of what your kids yeah. should be taught about equity and, and equality and <laughs> what they call racism and all those things, right? Yeah. So the program is called No Place for Hate. Mm. And again, it's in 1600 K-12 schools. But in this program, they provide um, the Anti-Defamation, Anti-Defamation League, they provide a curriculum mm-hmm. that teachers are to adopt mm-hmm. if they want to be identified or recognized or labeled as a no place for hate school. So if you want to be in a positive number of ones on. who are woke and, and, and ones who are on the front lines of making sure there's no hate. <laughs> You know, this is your badge time. Yes, you, yes. If, if your school want to be a part of this, you have to have this curriculum going. So, in other words, what you what you should expect to see happening, and it's already happening to some extent, what you should expect to see happening is that no longer will schools be rated on their academic performance. It won't be, oh, you know, it's a good school because kids do well. Because remember, um, at least certain kids doing well, that is oppression, <laughs> right? That's, that's privilege that really we need to, we need equity. Oh, man. So we need to, 
we need to take books and blocks from the feet of some kids right. and put them other, under other kids' feet so that they can see over the fence. Right. right this right. is what we this is because this is equity. Yeah. This is equity. Not everybody gets the same and, book. And, and some say, some uh, subjects we can't show the work and stuff like that because that's also not fair. And there are no wrong answers. <laughs> there are no wrong answers. It's insane. So what it, it is the it is the dumbing down of a nation. All right. And so but 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 we make it look like it's something to aspire to. Mm. You want to be in a school that has this designation. So but look at this, though. This is this is interesting here. This no place for hate. So it's got, you know, it's got your like regular, you know, whatever, what you might expect aims that it condemns bullying. OK, it, it seeks to promote empathy. OK. All right. So that's fine. But then at the same time, at the same time, it requires in order for the school to receive the no place for hate designation. Mm-hmm. You see, you see how the accolades control. Yeah. So in order for a school to receive this designation, at least 75 percent of the school students must sign a pledge. Mm-hmm. OK, so the student. Why? The student <laughs> signs a pledge where the student agrees not to bully and, and you know, n- you know, um, yeah. mm-hmm. Not to show bias, <laughs> and and even the school agrees to report these um, whenever there may be an incident that arises where there is a display of bias mm-hmm. or bullying mm-hmm. or discrimination or harassment. Okay, but it goes a step further. The schools are also encouraged to use the Anti Defamation League's supplied mm-hmm. curriculum. See, that's where it is. Okay, so you want the designation mm-hmm. that you are a school that says no to hate or you're no place for hate. Okay, you want the designation. And remember, at the same time, guys, it's just like it is just like the corporate equality index. At the same time, remember that both teachers and principals are around this country going through equity and diversity training. <laughs> so they are being told. That in order for them to, you know, pay the culture, they've got to, one, acknowledge their privilege. Mm-hmm. All right. There are certain steps that they have to take. You would imagine that some of these schools would start thinking, man, maybe we need to have this kind of designation to show that we're taking strides, that we're that we're making the steps that we need to to make to be, you know, a place that is <laughs> inclusive, mm-hmm. a place where there is equity and equality. Right. When we get back, we'll talk about some of the things that um, are found in this curriculum that these uh, no place for hate designated schools must adopt. All right. <laughs> Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and there's nothing like us, Ambassador. All right, so this this uh, No Place for Hate um, uh, designation that, yeah. that schools probably increasingly are going to seek after. I mean, it, they have great, great uh, phrases. They really do. And, and I mean, it's like, nothing, it, no, no hate. Like, what, what do you Who wouldn't Mickey? want that? 
Right. What school wouldn't want that? That's right. and that's the thing that makes this so insidious. It's just really difficult to challenge it without seeming like some sort of rabid animal. You know what I mean? Like when you start talking and they're like, why are you foaming at the mouth? And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm not foaming at the mouth. I'm just telling you that this is meant to control and it's right. meant to push a narrative that you have accepted, but I have rejected. That's And so, but then, you know, you've redefined terms. Yeah. And so here I am trying to communicate and, and, I, and I look like the person that wants to eat baby chicks. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, so this is, I'm <laughs> sorry for the visual. <laughs> Anyways, um, but this is this is where we are. And guys, so here, here's what I'm saying. When I look at things like this, I put this in the category of, of the title of the show, controlling accolades. So what our culture is constantly telling us is aspire to this, aspire to this. But then they go from just the aspiration, just like this is a good um, place to want to be. They move from that very quickly to saying, well, if you're not here. Mm. right then you have failed and you're unfit for society mm. you're unfit so it's canceled. not just like That's no right. you're canceled yeah. you're canceled but but the way they get that power the way they get that strength to be able to do that is that people slowly start submitting. Mm. They start saying, well, that's, I mean, it's its just good to kind of have that. So remember, there was a time when you had no idea what a corporate equality index was. Right. You didn't know. But now you see the effects of it where you go to buy groceries. Hmm. Now you see the effects of it across all company, um, uh, what do you want to call it? Their promotions yeah. a certain time of the year. Oh, yeah. And why are they oh, doing yeah. that? Because oh, yeah. they want to get that number up. They're striving they for 100%. In, in good standing. <laughs> so with our kids' schools, right, mm. with your kids' schools, what is the aim? The aim is that you start with like these. This is just, you know, just aspire to be here. And then you say, well, you know, really, your school is not your school is not a good school. If, if you don't have this designation, if you don't have this distinction, if you're not of this school, then that's not a good school. Mm. Right. So getting back to this no place for hate. All right. Which, again, like you said, <laughs> of course. Right. No, we don't want that. We don't want that. But it's it becomes subjective. And, and they are the ones who get to define the terms. So, But what they don't tell the schools is that if you adopt this, if you want this designation that you are a no place for hate school, you are a no place for hate school, then you have to give up some of your day-to-day -day operations. You have to allow for the organization that has designed and printed and written, authored, whatever you want to call it, the curriculum. You have to allow for them to have control over how you conduct school. And this, my friends, my brothers and sisters, this is how it goes from your small town USA school to a national school like that. Yeah. Because so many of us are like, well, no, that she teaches Sunday school. At my, no, I don't have to worry about that because we know who our teachers are. They come from, they're from among us. Okay, right. But if you're in a school where your school adopts a curriculum that is not from among you, then what is the teacher teaching? What is the teacher compelled to teach? Because his or her principal says, this is what you must teach. Mm. So, for example, this no place for hate designation could all be yours. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the price is never right. But schools are strongly encouraged to use the Anti-Defamation League supplied curriculum and students must complete three approved activities throughout the year. So now not only are we controlling teachers, we're telling them what they must teach, but we're also controlling students. And, and, and the, the teachers become the inspectors. Mm. 
So the teachers are going to ensure that this happens. For example, K-2 students learn about the cycle, the cycle of inequality. And that racism comes from, quote, ideas that white people deserve to be in charge and treated better, end quote. <laughs> now, guys, when I look at stuff like this, mm-hmm. I try to filter this through the eyes of a child. Man, come on. And I try to think of what kind of environment this creates for children and what type of hyper awareness this creates for children and why you have issues of emotional damage among children where they're overly anxious, where they're depressed, where they're bitter, they're angry. Why? Because we are creating this. Exactly. You're giving them a bias that they don't have. Like you're, you're giving them something that they don't even see when they're looking at their friends or looking Come at, on. you know, but you're, you're putting that there in their minds. Yes. Yes. And, and then, you know, you, you want to have a conversation around behavioral issues. Crazy. Again, again, when we talk about what this curriculum teaches kids, middle schoolers will quote, consider the extent to which dress codes unfairly target certain identity groups and navigate around something they call the quote unquote identity iceberg. The identity iceberg? <laughs> what does that? Well, it tells kids not to assume their peers' race or gender by their appearance. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Now, now, wait a minute here. So, again, when we talk about equity and inclusion and diversity, we're talking about what we've always been talking about, all of it. Mm-hmm. All of it where you are essentially giving up your convictions. You're handing your kids over. You've got to suspend your convictions and theirs, right? Because now they have entered onto a plot of land where um, they become, they become that, they belong to that school. In addition, high schoolers, will explore how so-called microaggressions are pervasive in everyday life. They will learn about the quote-unquote pyramid of hate. The, py- <laughs> the pyramid of hate, which asserts that oppression is widespread in society and seems to imply that not being, quote, aware of privilege can lead to a continuum of genocide. Now, Wait, what? Yeah. We Wait. Have- this is crazy. And we got to think this is these are the things that are being pushed in, in, in the schools, like in these schools with this program. Like, think about that. They're, this mm-hmm. is what's being taught. And this is what your child is being groomed. Yes. To, to think. Yes. Yes. And so that when they come home and are sitting and I say this all the time, I'm not going to get tired of saying it, sitting at your table eating bacon. Right. Eating the grits that you purchased. And they're telling you about your microaggressions. And they're tell- telling you about your biases. And you're like, what? I know you didn't read that on the back of the Captain Crunch box. <laughs> right. I know. Where, where right. are you getting this? And so then what you do is you create an environment where you have enemies under the same roof. Your kids are looking at you like you're so, you're so antiquated. You're so behind the times. Why? Because, and, and here's, here's something else. This no place for hate, if you want this as a designation for your school, and, and make no mistake about it, teachers and principals who are being trained in equity and diversity will be clamoring to have these designations. 
This mm-hmm. is the this is what bag. controlling accolades will yeah. look like. Yeah. Yeah. This is how you change society, how you change culture. And so then this curriculum, if you adopt it, if you want to have this designation, encourages students to quote move on from kindness. It tells them to, quote, understand how to engage in changing systems and society. Wait, what? Yes, it's many activists. Many activists under your roof, in your home. So the gap widens between the parent and the child. So now here is here is my encouragement. And here is my challenge. I was looking at something else and I, I, I want to research it a little bit more. Um, but I was I was trying to get an idea, trying to get a gauge of what types of organizations are, um, how schools are measured and rated. And they're all kinds of different organizations. But I will tell you, just doing a quick a quick search for them, the organizations that are at the top of the search list are organizations that give merit to schools right now already based on equity and inclusion and diversity yeah now yeah they still are looking at academics okay they're still looking at performance but also listed among those things that they're looking at to determine whether or not schools that are in this area which by the way i was looking at one organization it's called greatschools.org uh greatschools.org and um it gives you a list where you can look up to see if a school in your area is a great schools.org uh. school, you know? <laughs> and of course it covers things like equality versus equity. And, and then it lets you know, and I was trying to study this, it lets you know how they rate these schools. And I, and I was like, Oh, this is really, really interesting. Um, let, letting you know what the metrics are and all of this stuff. And, and then I, I, so I, I said, well, ugh, I'm just curious. Do they have any in Mississippi? I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know <laughs> because that's where I live. I just want to know. Um, and interestingly enough, they don't. The closest one is in Memphis where they have several schools that <laughs> <laughs> stand up Memphis. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting. These things will become markers that you're going to know what you're getting based on what the designations are, mm. based on the accolades that to some people it's going to be grand. Well, my kid is going to a no place for hate school. <laughs> and, and, and hopefully everyone who is discerning you know, would be able to say, oh, I'm sorry. You know, and that's the thing. People who espouse this stuff, they look at, like you said, you looked at Mississippi. They will say, wow, they're still behind right. the times. <laughs> like, well, there's there a reason. <laughs> there's a reason, Mika, that you're not on the list. Mm-hmm. Well, amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> and, and look, and I'm talking about based on those metrics. Like, now, listen, I, I understand that these organizations are not just looking at equity, diversity, and inclusion. But that is that is fast becoming the thing mm. that is the marker, right? Like, I mean, because remember, you know, when you talk about academics, um, that then becomes subjective and could be like even the scoring becomes oppressive. You understand that, that saying that two plus two is four becomes sort of like, you know, a certain people group's narrative, mm. No, it's not. It's objective. And it's rooted in the immutability of God. This is this is this is why we have these things that are fixed and that work together that are objective. But even that is up on the chopping block when we right. start talking about inclusion and diversity and equity and all of these things. You can't expect kids to be on time because that is oppression. You understand? You can't expect kids to pay attention. That's oppression. 
and this and this because we are so here here is my suggestion here is my strong suggestion the question is how do christians protect against this if the accolades become the controlling mechanisms in a culture where the culture ultimately is changed intentionally changed radically right because people are clamoring for the accolades they they want to measure high on these indices they want the labels they want the designations they want the high ratings all right so if that is how you control people through establishing your own metrics and then making people live up to that, then what is the defense of the Christian? Well, there's a scripture that came to my mind. Come on. There's a scripture that came to my mind. And here is the scripture. It is in Paul's letter to the Colossians. And this is what he said in Colossians chapter three. He said, he wrote, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Verse two, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. If we want to avoid the effects of the controlling accolades, if we want to be out of the sort of rat race that is oh, well, I'm, I'm identified and I'm validated by a world's system. Mm-hmm. Simply don't want it. Don't desire it. And, and maybe that is more difficult than, than me saying simply. Because actually when, when, you, when you do a search, when you look at what the Apostle Paul was actually writing, you know, I, I, I love to look at Greek words because it just gives you such, just a rich understanding of what he was actually saying. It's not something that is just simply done. So I don't want to give the indication that it's just like, oh, you just set your mind or you just seek these things. The Greek word here, seek, is actually, it's transliterated zeteo. It means to seek by inquiring, to investigate, to get to the bottom of something. So there is a terminal resolution. In other words, I'm going to get to the bottom of the matter. It is not just this, you know, oh, well, you know, we have this faith and, kind of curious about it. No, it's that what you, what you are seeking out is to know the one who purchased you to know the one who is the lover of your soul. And then this, this, this setting your mind on things that are above. I, I taught this a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was a couple months ago um, in a Bible study with the ladies at my church where we were talking about what the Bible expects us to do. Yeah. And one of those things, set your mind, set your mind. The Greek word transliterates there, phroneo, phroneo, to have an understanding or to think. But uh, there's a portion of the word from where we get our, um, our English word, diaphragm, mm-hmm. diaphragm. So the understanding is, is that there is something that happens where we cannot see it happening on the inside, but the effects of it on the outside people notice. So your diaphragm is moving on the inside. People can't see it, but we know that it's happening because you're breathing. So what Paul was saying was set your mind. So the place that we cannot see your mind, set your mind on things that are above. And the outward effect will be that you are living according to that. So what does that look like for the Christian? It looks like we're not striving after their accolades. We're not running after their, you know, designations and trying to measure high or score high mm-hmm. on their indices. Mm-hmm. And this is difficult to do because we are a culture of, well, you know, my kid, 
Well, you know what I've got? Well, I've been, they've designated me. I mean, listen, I've been a hall monitor. But what does that matter in eternity? We'll grab the break. We'll be right back. Back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's a Mighty Fortress by Shy Lynn. Um, I wanted to I wanted to say something. There, there's something that was interesting, you know, as you uh as we looked through that story and it, and it talked about the anti defamation mm-hmm. league. You know, and that was something that was started in I think 1913. The founders of the ADL understood the truth. And this I'm just reading from their website, and then uh Cat- uh, catalyzed by the lynching of Leo Frank, they embraced a simple yet audacious uh, mission. It said to stop the defamation of the Jewish people and to secure justice and fair treatment to all. And they go through all their di- different principles. And I, and I was looking at the different principles, and it was some good stuff. You know, it seemed like it was created, you know, for, for a great reason. Mm-hmm. But I think over time, as culture change, you know, you, you begin to see things change. So one of the things is um, they defend a, uh, or stand up for the right to marry regardless of your gender. Mm-hmm. And then it says we are the foremost expert in the study of extremism, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and when I see stuff like that, I, I have to ask, like, OK, what is extremism mm-hmm. to them? You know, mm-hmm. or when they said when they say regardless of your gender, what are they? Uh, saying they said we are the foremost authority and leader in fighting hate online wow. and we are a re- uh, relentless advocate for vulnerable communities of all kinds and so i'm wondering if 1913 you know there was this type of language in their principles about <laughs> <laughs> i would think not I'm sure not but you see yeah, how great point yeah things change over time and now you know they have these principles that they probably mesh with new principles that mm-hmm. they have now mm-hmm. and they're and they're pushing this as a curriculum and you know these ideals in in schools and it's like man some of these organizations they, they, they'll start off great but mm-hmm. over time because of the pressure of the culture and the things that mm-hmm. are going on going on in the world they cave in and they adjust and they you know uh contort themselves to fit in so they can mm-hmm. be accepted as well mm-hmm. it, it's just crazy to see i think that is a, an interesting point well because i'm 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 wondering you know, when we have these kinds of um, initiatives or, uh, you know, I don't know, curricula that we adopt in our schools and, and maybe they're underwritten by certain organizations, I'm wondering how many parents and maybe teachers are operating on an antiquated definition of that organization, mm. like an, an antiquated description yeah. Yeah. of that organization. What so so then <laughs> what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like you say, you know, they always make it sound so good. I mean, because like you say the anti-defamation league. Well, <laughs> right. yeah, no, we don't want defamation. Right. Like, of course <laughs> right. not. We don't right. want that. Right. But then when you understand that the tent pegs have been widened, that it's just kind of been thrown out, you know, at, at, to its, I don't know, its breaking point. I don't know if they can yeah. fit more people under the tent. 
then what is it that your kid is ultimately getting? And my challenge to parents, and this I think is difficult. We exist in such a tension, do we not? Hmm. I mean, we are in this world and not of it. Hmm. We want the best for our children. And unfortunately, we've been told in so many instances that the only path for our kid is that they sort of go through the same like, you know, this, well, this is what they're doing in the culture. So this is what, this is what our kid has to do. I, I, I want to encourage Christians to, to go a little deeper in their knowledge of the Lord and, and to really ask him, what do you want my kid to do? Mm. Like, you know, I think sometimes we have this thought and we don't say it, we don't say it, but I really do think that sometimes we are under the impression that we love our children more than the Lord. Mm. And so we, we are unwilling to risk what he might want for them because we know best. Mm. Right. And, and so often what we know as best for them is not based on prayer and seeking the Lord is based on what is culturally automatic. Well, that's just what happens. You turn 18, you're supposed to get out. <laughs> right. I mean, you, you're supposed to be like, go do something, you know, and, for many kids, it's college is the next step. Hmm. We have we have frowned upon working with our hands in our culture today. And it's amazing how even that has become sort of like a, a created bottleneck where it's like the last level of baptism before people get out into the culture. Like if if they didn't get you for your, you know, for your elementary or high school education, say maybe that was private school or um, that was homeschool or whatever. Then they say, well, they got to be baptized here. We're going to get them at the collegiate level. And we never stop to think, hey, what might the Lord want to do in and through our children that maybe does not involve the culture's timeline? You know, the culture's boxes being checked off. And I, I would just encourage parents to, as you set your mind on the things that are above, as you are seeking the things of God, like to please allow that to include your children. And saying, okay, God, what do you want? Like, if the Lord gave you those children, if we trust the Lord with our salvation, why why can't we trust him with our children? It's like, I, I trust the Lord for the saving of my soul, but I'm not about to hand my baby over to him. <laughs> I mean, really? Come on. You know, think about that. Yeah. And I understand. I think the pressures are great. We'll open the phone lines up. 888-589-8840. Your take on what we're talking about. 888 888- Five eight nine eight eight four zero. I think the pressures are great because we're very competitive. Christians in America are very competitive, right? And so we, what our kids do or don't do in life becomes a reflection of us as parents. And, and again, whatever is culturally normative, whatever would just usually happen, um, that becomes the measure of whether or not our kid has succeeded. So, so what Christians are going to have to do is we're going to have to have a different measure of success. And, and I would strongly encourage that that measure of success, <laughs> excuse the word success, but that it chiefly be, does your kid love Jesus? Mm. Is he or she walking with the Lord? Yeah, yeah. Do they have a reckless abandon to the things of God? Are, are they, we used to say, sold out. I know the 90s wants their terms back. Are they sold out for Christ? Are they, are they willing to live unwaveringly in the culture that they're growing up in? Because, look, if your kid matriculates through all of the, you know, I don't know, educational markers or uh, achievements that the culture says this is what we're supposed to do. This is this is the measure of success. If they do all of that, all of that and we get to, you know, 
show our kids or tell our kids, well, yeah, so-and-so is a this and so-and-so is that. And, you know, tell, tell all of our friends these things. Okay. And, and then, but, but they turn away from, from the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Have, have we, can we really say that we have succeeded in parenting? Cause that's what everybody wants, right? We want to be like killing it at parenting. We want to be just like killing it at parenting. <laughs> that's what we want to do. No, people don't say it, but your social medias uh, reveal otherwise. We want to be killing it at parenting. You, you know, I, I have to say too, you know, we, we cover a lot of these stories about what's happening in, in the schools and the things that are being pushed. And we know that there are a lot of, um, you know, great uh, Christian teachers that are in the midst of all of this. I just wonder, too, at what point do we say, okay, church, we need to do something about our children who are in these places. I, mm-hmm. You know, it, it seems like we're continuing to talk about this stuff, and it's happening, and it's growing, and we, mm-hmm. and we can look down the line and see where things are headed, but when is the time for some putting heads together and solutions and say, okay, body yeah. of Christ. Yeah. What are we going to do? You know, I, I, I feel like, cause we're going around the mountain a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? I think some people have to care an awful lot. We had a call, um, I guess maybe a year or so ago from a grandmom who is a retired teacher who shared with us how she's homeschooling her grandkids. Mm-hmm. She's taken up that mantle because she's seen how much the school system has changed and, and the effects of it on kids. And so she's helping her daughter mm-hmm. with by homeschooling the kids for the daughter, yeah. like helping. I, I think it's got to be people caring an awful lot. Yeah. And, and, and for some reason, maybe we don't see that the way we should see it, you know, yeah. so that it can produce the kind of awful lot of caring that is required. Yeah, I, I think so. Cause I think the red alert is out there. Like we yeah. see what's happening, but I think, you know, the disclaimers that we have to give and which are right disclaimers is, you know, I know it's hard for everybody to do that or homeschool yeah. or do, you know, or expensive for private uh, Christian school. Exactly. But so yeah. what is the alternative? Like what can the body of Christ do the church do to yeah. help that to make it possible for families who can't do these type of things to do yeah. it. We have to yeah. get to that point. I think that's when we're serious, but yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. I, and that, it, that's going to take sacrifice. Yeah. That's going to take sacrifice. And, and maybe we're not all, we're not at that point yet. Yeah. All right. Well, the great, where do we go? All right, let's go to Jamie in Louisiana. Hi, Jamie. Hello. 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 Well, Nikki. Hello. Hello. Great. Uh, yeah. I just, take long but um you know just listening to all what you guys are talking about i was been kind of reading through the bible again as i was you know just reading back through you know the kings um and you would see how the kings that would come after the next or proceed the next that they wouldn't tear down the images the grove mm. and things and so right that would cause the other nation or whatever the same nation to continue in the same sins of the predecessor and then you know extend even more and Mm -hmm. so that's what i that's what it appears to be happening in our society you know that there's been a the images that are secretly raising themselves in our children's mind because a child you know parenting is one of the most important jobs i believe on the face of the earth because because it's, it's a seed. It's, it's, it's a seed in a garden. And and even some spirit-filled parents that I know, they don't pay attention to their kids as they should. And so all of a sudden, 
this image has grown into this monster. And what we're looking at now mm-hmm. is that this message becoming so pervasive is letting the families know, look, you're so far behind because you've never taken the time to see the images that you should have been tearing down. Mm. Wow. Man, that's... Yes. Yeah. And so, and so uh, we're, we're like playing catch-up mm-hmm. right now because the thing is, the secular world, it's going to go down. You understand? So we mm-hmm. can't really worry about that, as you guys say. But what we have to do is you, I'm just basically resounding what you guys always resound. We have to build up our families, our yes. families to be able to stand against what we cannot stop. Because there are That's certain right. things we cannot stop. The world is going to be the world, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. church has to be the church. Amen. 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 Man, it, it's Man, so true. You, it, again, I, I would just, I would echo what uh, Rod Dreher, uh wrote in his book that the families have to become these resistance cells. Yeah. The families have to become these resistance cells. Uh, thank you so much, Jamie. I thank appreciate you. you. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Annie in Ohio. Hi, Annie. Hi, Will and Mickey. How are you today? Doing, Doing great. Doing good. Thank you. Good. I just wanted to say, first of all, that I, I thank God for people like you on this radio station. I'm really grateful for you. Oh, thank you. Um, God bless you. I have, thank you. You too. A quick question. So, um, my husband and I are looking into fostering, and I've kind of said the same thing that the grandmother said in the story you shared a little bit ago, that if I had my own children, I would homeschool, but with fostering, it's different. So what I was kind of hoping was maybe get some ideas or maybe even some educational resources so that when we do foster, we'll be able to kind of plant a seed and maybe sort of counteract the education that they're going to be getting and and kind of help guide them more towards the lord yeah mm-hmm. yeah no um so if i'm understanding your question you're saying how do we combat the fact that when we foster we have no choice we have to put our to kid put them, yeah. in a secular um institution for for their education so that means that the exactly. work becomes e- e- even more important uh yeah. between dinner and bedtime Right. Like that. Okay. What you're doing is that you're constantly because um, you're going to have to erase and Man. write, yeah. erase and write. Right. <laughs> and and so often we think as parents, we're just writing. You're going to have to erase and write. And so that means and, and this is just off the top of my head. Annie. this is just off the top of my head. That would involve okay. depending on the ages of the kids, lots of questions when they get home. Not just how was okay. your day? Tell me three things that you learned today. Tell me about some of the interaction that you had with your classmates. Tell me about some of those conversations you had on the playground. I learned so much. Our kids were in public school. I learned so much about our kids and about their interaction with the types of kids they were in school with just by asking, so, so what did you talk about on the playground today? Mm-hmm. And, and, and look, in some instances, just let me look, guys, this is real life. In some instances, it was, you are not allowed to play with that girl. Mm. I don't want you to play with that girl tomorrow. Well, what if she comes up to play? You tell her your mom said you can't play with her. So we have to ask questions that go beyond how was your day. Yeah. Then in addition to that, man, we've got to make sure that our kids have a firm understanding of the gospel. So we are um, teaching and reteaching the gospel. Asking the question, what is the gospel? Mm-hmm. Asking for them to give us a biblical support. So what? where do you get that? What, what does the Bible teach that the gospel is? 
And I want to say that the gospel is the foundation of your kids' understanding. It's the foundation of your kids' education. It's not just having an other school, right? It's not just, oh, well, we just need an alternative. It is that what you are trying to inculcate is a biblical worldview that begins with the gospel. That's right. That's right. All right. Um, we're out of time. I, I kind of have a little bit more to say about this, and I just want to be careful. Maybe we'll touch it tomorrow. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.